Hey guys, in this episode, we're going to talk with John Brown, longtime friend of mine, and we're going to tap into his 40 plus years of golf operations experience. Um, he has won a bunch of awards. He started his own golf management company until he retired last year, sold his shares to his kids, and now he's starting another company of which I'm going to be a part of. So super exciting. But the idea is John is a turnaround specialist. So his specialty is to take underperforming or distressed golf courses and deploy some strategies that are going to help them turn their operation around and help them win the long game. So I hope you find it really interesting. He shares a ton of advice and a ton of tips. If you've got suspicions that your club is struggling, this is the episode for you. Enjoy it, guys. This is the Golf Essentials Podcast with Casey Bork. I thought maybe where we start is uh, maybe you can give everybody a, a two or three minute background on on the John Brown legacy. Mm. <laughs> well, sure. I'd be happy to do that, Casey. Um, you know, you and I have known each other since you were uh, 15. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. or thereabout. And uh, so a long, long time, and we've certainly worked together enough times over the years, but uh, I am a PGA master professional. And um, as you know, but your audience might not, that uh, the PGA of America is 29,000 strong. And uh, I think right now we've got 360 that have achieved the master professional uh, rating level. Yeah. So it's a it's it's pretty rare air, and uh, you know it has served me well over the years. Um, you know, generally it just means you know I'm I'm an old guy that's that's <laughs> taken a lot of classes and written a thesis and and done a done a whole bunch of things that are uh, over and above the norm to become sure. just a you know member of the PGA. Yep. Yeah. And I've uh, you know I've been in golf management my whole career, uh, you know, played two sports in college, both football and golf. And the day I, uh, got out of college on my last day of exams, I turned pro and, uh, have been at it ever since and have gone through the ranks of, uh, assistant golf professional to head golf professional to director of golf to director of golf, general manager to, general manager to regional manager to company owner to, you know, uh, you know, CEO of, you know, the fastest growing golf company in, in the world at the time and uh, sold that a couple of years ago, as you know, and uh, yeah. I'm excited to tell your audience that uh, you and I are off on a, on a great journey of doing it yeah. again. I'm, I am, I, uh, non-compete of sorts is over and yep. uh i'm, I'm gonna do it one more time and uh, casey bork and i are gonna do it together nice man yeah I'm, I'm psyched about that um yeah i mean uh after running a bunch of clubs and then building up your company with your boys um you know you thought you were calling it quits but turns out you got tired of doing nothing right and uh well i mean you you, you like what you do and, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I really enjoy the work part of it. Um, you know, I'm a true entrepreneur case. Uh, 
you know, I still got a lot of gas in a tank. And I think if you got a lot of gas in a tank, you might as well drive. Yeah, man. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. I was excited to get the phone call from you. And, um, you know, so, uh, yeah, I mean, my, my guys don't know it, but, you know, we got some irons in the fire. We're going to work on helping some clubs, some struggling clubs or clubs that are basically underperforming. And uh, Mr. John Brown here is the, the turnaround specialist in this ind- industry. And uh, I know with Troon, you were uh, you you won a couple of awards with them, national awards for basically turning some clubs around. And that's sort of what you're known for in this business, aren't you? Yeah, it's it's kind of my forte, and and I did win a couple of national awards with uh, with Troon, which you know, yep. Troon is the largest golf management company in the world. You know, I did a lot of the turnaround stuff there at the company, and and developed a system during that time of we used at Brown Golf, and uh, and and you and I are gonna gonna be all over that uh, here with uh, KPI Golf, which yeah, is the name of our right. new company. Yep. Key Performance Indicator. It stands for KPI Golf Management. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be wonderful. Quite quite frankly, we're gonna do some great things with it. But uh, yeah, yeah, my forte has been the turnaround, and uh, you know, I've helped a lot of struggling clubs over the years uh, with uh, with a really detailed system of uh, of how those clubs can uh, not only survive but start to thrive again, and. Uh, you know, at Brown Golf, when I when I hung up my shingle there and sold the company to the boys, we had uh, 30 golf courses up and down the East Coast. And, uh, you know, many of them we uh, acquired, uh, you know, in the 2011. Uh, and we did that, by the way, we, that Brown Golf thing we didn't, I did in six and a half years. So it was, it was kind of an amazing thing. Uh, uh, company growth uh, during that period of time where we ended up in the top 20 in the world in, in size and quality. Yeah. Uh, so fun stuff there. And, but many of the courses we picked up um, with Brown golf uh, and, and, and what you and I are going to do, we're certainly struggling courses that were, you know, in financial shambles uh, for one reason or another. And, uh, we put the turnaround process in place, and, and today those are uh, lovely producing fa- uh, facilities for my two sons. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, they've got a nice little company, and uh, they'll continue to run that, but uh, <laughs> they got a competitor now. Daddy's back. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, I thought, I thought maybe that's where we go with this. this talk would be like, you know, based on our conversations and looking at the market and, you know, what I'm seeing is there seem to be a lot of golf courses that, you know, sort of middle of the road clubs that, that seem to be struggling despite this economic tailwind that we've had for eight years, you know, and, a and a big bubble that we're experiencing with baby boomers playing a ton of golf now you know, I don't know, the, the data is still showing that there's still some supply and demand correction um, that, that's going to be coming, you know, where, I mean, rounds versus golf courses, uh, which means some golf courses are really survi- fighting for their survival, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. What's your it's, thoughts it's, there? It's, yeah, it's, you know, I think it's got several elements to the issues that are out there. Uh, 
One is that I agree with you, the supply and demand curve is still out of whack. And, I, you know, and, and my best guess estimate on that, it's still 12 to 15 percent out of whack. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got too many golf courses and 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 the weak are going away. Um, you know, over the last uh, uh, over the last five years, really, uh, almost six now, uh, there have been about 150 golf courses a year more than we're opening we're closing so we were Mm -hmm. losing 150 a net 150 on an annual basis um that wasn't really moving it quite quick enough i think that trend's going to continue you know the, the other thing that happened uh oh back in the 2010 9 area uh even 2011, there were a number of banks and lending institutions that had so many issues on their books that, you know, they went to Mr. Golf Course owner, who was an issue also, but they -hmm. went to Mr. Golf Course owner and say, hey, look, we're just going to re-up with you again here for a five-year period while we get all of this other uh, mess, you know, (laughs) fully leveraged stuff off our books and and yep. see if we can't come back and deal with you in the next go round. And uh, and quite frankly, that next go round is coming. And many of those felt, those people, those owners, uh, are in deep trouble. Uh, Interesting. Some yeah. of those folks we can we can help uh, quickly. You know, if they uh, if they adopt a system that works where they can uh, turn things around. But many of those clubs are going to be come available onto the marketplace as far as you know uh, foreclosures and and mm-hmm. and and so on so mm-hmm. uh, there'll be some of them will shut down and become other things some of them will will have new owners and and will operate in a different fashion you know they might have been private clubs that'll now go to semi-private or some kind of hybrid because sure. sure. uh, you know just from knowing me that I've done a number of hybrids uh, over the years, and uh, and and if you got the right formula for the hybrid based on real data uh, and real research, uh, you can make that work beautifully. Mm-hmm. So, th- those are some of the the issues that are sitting out there. Um, you know, the other thing too, case is that you know the 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 the, the price of golf. Uh, is not going up, uh, you know, True. what it costs to play. And, and so we, we, we definitely are seeing, especially in some of the resort markets, we're definitely seeing a, de- a, a decompression, if you will, of the, of the pricing structure. It's going down a little bit and getting a little mm-hmm. bit tighter for guys to, to operate. You know, mm-hmm. our senior groups are expecting more discounts and some of those kinds of things. So, you know, we, we've also, well, you know, you and I have been working on this for, for weeks now. We've, we've developed a, a game plan around that to, uh, uh, to, to make sure that, uh, that we are uh, working the decompression part of our business into the off hours. And uh, yeah. that's not an easy thing to do, but, uh, but it's a needed thing to be done. Yeah, filling in the gaps in the T-sheet. Filling in the gaps. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Total T-sheet management, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, golf's becoming a different, a different thing now. Uh, you know, everything is, uh, 
on your tele on your phone basically you know every mm-hmm. you, you know you can get a tea time any anywhere in the country in 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 30 seconds on your on your phone and uh, uh you know golf's got to react to that and the one of the things about our industry is that it's very very slow to react to change mm-hmm. very Absolutely. very slow um it's a, it's a, it's a it's a and part of the reason is, and you and I grew up in this. I mean, golf's a game of history, you know, and it's a it's it's a gentleman's game, and yeah, it's all of these things that there's traditions everywhere you look. Uh, you know, I mean, I was fortunate enough as a as a young guy to to play a fair amount of golf at Baltus Roll in, in New mm. Jersey. Uh, oh yeah, and you know just sneak upstairs as a kid in that clubhouse and all those uh all those rooms that are up there all had you know i don't know how it is now i haven't been back in years but back in the day uh you know had some just incredible photographs and things up there and it was just you know you could spend all day up there looking at it and yeah yeah. those you know those those traditions at clubs like that are not ever going to die um what you and I are really talking about and the people that we can help are those that are the clubs that are the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth private club in a marketplace, you know, that don't have the legacy and the traditions that a Baltus roll has or, or some of the, or wing foot or some yeah, of the they're others. Not, they're not are, part of the untouchable are, sort of crowd. The, that's right. Uh, yeah. So who we're going to help are, are all of those type of private clubs with our system and, and any others that are daily fee or semi-private or a hybrid of some sort that may be owned by a group of guys, a group of investors, an individual in, investor, you know, an entrepreneur of some sort, um, it, you know, any kind of uh, a grouping like that, uh, we're going to, so it's most of the golf courses that are out there, quite frankly, are going to need, you know, the, the, the data-based management that we're going to be providing. Yeah. And uh, it's been a, it's, it's been, uh, I'm I'm so excited about this new company because my goodness, the, uh, the, the opportunities since I started Brown golf have not diminished at all. They're, if anything, they're they're five times as much, and there aren't five times more really quality operators coming into this field. So um, I'm real excited about our future with this yeah. company and uh, and what we can do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if um, if you're a club member, right? So trying to bring some value to the to the the audience here. If you're sitting at home and, you know, John, what are, what are some of the warning signs that, you know, a player or a member at a club ought to be, let, let's say it's a club sitting in, in a residential community and the, and the community is starting to hear rumblings that the club may not be doing so good or, um, or they're worried, you know, long term, if this thing ever turns to tumbleweeds, then they're really in trouble. But what are some of the early warning signs that you've seen in the past, you know, that that a member might yeah. be able to observe and just see, all right, maybe there's. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, like, like all things, you know, in, in, in all businesses, 
KC have their own language of that business. And it's a difficult position for any member to be in um, with a cursory look from the outside looking in um, because he doesn't know the language of the budget line items, for instance. He doesn't know the language of the sales process for membership. Um, so those things are very difficult. But um, the things that if these club members can get the ear of somebody who's on the board or if they happen to be on the board at that particular private club, you know, there are some, some things that uh, clubs that are, are in trouble just aren't doing. And uh, uh, I'll go over a few of them. Um, for instance, the food and beverage area in private clubs is, um, you know, historically the golf industry has looked at that as if a private club can get the F and B portion of their, their budget to break even, they've done an incredible job. Mm. See, I don't believe that. Um, and KPI golf doesn't believe that because uh, quite frankly, that is a fair amount of income done correctly. And there isn't any reason in the world that you can't make a profit in food and beverage if you know what you're doing. The issue with food and beverage is twofold. One is that it's a very tough personnel group to hire. Uh, hmm. There, there just aren't enough really quality food and beverage operators. But it's it's a historic industry that lots of stuff walks away, gotcha. and, and 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 not saying it walks away without being approved. It, it does. It, it, many times it walks away being approved. You know, mm -hmm. just you know everybody filling up to go boxes and out the door you go. Uh, one of the things that is important in a food and beverage operation is a minimum. And this is a real pain in the rear end for anybody in that in the food and beverage uh, group is a is a biweekly inventory at a minimum. Mm. I mean, in our operations with Brown Golf, certain aspects of the inventory control, I had our food and beverage people doing five days a week. When you are doing inventory five days a week and somebody actually knows what it says and how to read it, it's a whole lot harder for stuff to disappear out the back door. Gotcha. So that's one thought. All right. That's, 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 that's one thought. Second one is that, you know, every department director that's at a private club or at any club, when we go in and take over, um, I'll sit down with all the department directors and they've had an opportunity to build the budget that's in place there on the day that we take over, whatever day that is, they've, these mm -hmm. are the people that built that budget. Yeah. And the one. first question. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The first question that I ask them and I've never had anybody be able to answer it is okay. It's 10 o'clock right now for this hour from 10 to 11 while we're conducting this meeting. How much payroll 
has been allocated to run your department for this hour. There isn't one director that's going to know. So that's certainly something that a board of directors can mandate from their people that they've got to know. Now, interestingly enough for me, um, I leave that meeting and say, I'm going to ask that question every time. There's nobody who doesn't know the next time. Yeah. They yeah. all know the next time. From that point on, they become very valuable management personnel. They actually have a handle on the largest line item on their budget. Now we got to get them to have a handle on all the other line items on their budget. Right, right. And, At least uh, they got the big one. They got a pulse on the people and the payroll. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So with all the other line items, it's just amazing to me over the years that I've been doing this, how, um, how set in our ways our department directors become. They do business with the same few companies over and over and over and over and over. And when you dig deep and take a deep dive on that kind of stuff, you find out that those companies, you know, might have taken the golf pro to the masters last year. <laughs> or yeah, they're, they're not uh, taking care of you as much as you think they are. If you, right. Yeah. 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 I'm going to, I'll tell you an interesting story about that as we get up here a little further. But so what I mandate when we come in and take over is that we now get four bids on everything that's over $200. Boy, do they hate that. It's, <laughs> it's a very difficult, it's a difficult way for them to, to have to do business. But I will tell you, it saves the clubs thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on an annual basis when you do this. Yeah. And, uh, I, I I can't emphasize that enough because your directors are not doing that and they're not doing it for a reason because probably these salespeople are, are, uh, you know, friends of theirs. They've become friends over the years, the salespeople taking them to a Jaguars game or, or yeah. just something, you know, that, that, it's that all happens. Easier, right. It, it's just easier it's, not to. It's, it's, it's easier. If you're getting it's a salary easier. and it doesn't matter either way. Why right. Please, right. Yeah. Yeah. The beautiful thing about our system is it forces the department directors to get out there and find new sources for the same products and they that they didn't even know existed. Didn't even know existed. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden they're buying the same thing, same quality, same everything for, you know, a third the price. I, I mean or that happens or you're, over or and over negotiating or you're negotiating more advantageous payment terms or ter termination provisions or whatever it might be. Right. It's uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You don't yeah, know that. Stuff we are, exists. we are now creating true partnerships for the business and not for the department head. I mean, that's the difference in with the system that we use. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had so much fun with the next thing that I'm going to tell them because I've never seen a building that didn't have this. And I've hardly ever seen anybody who's ever done this. 
but you know anybody who's listening out there to the podcast who's a club member go recommend that you have a tech audit done simply on how many telephone lines you've got coming in <laughs> to your building all right I love you them. will find dozens of them that aren't being used but you're paying for them all right because things change over the years but none of that ever gets changed you know yeah. things change but none of it ever gets changed so i i think you wholeheartedly gotta gotta look at that and then you know some of the other things that we do that are that are unique uh casey are, are on the you know are on the income side because it's not all about cut 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 you sure. can't cut your way you can't cut your way to profitability you gotta you know you've got to spend the dollars more wisely maybe even spend fewer dollars and get more out of it but you've also got to develop the revenue streams and uh you know the revenue piece to the business you know as you well know you and i are using a a membership sales program that's second to none that yep. Uh, yep. that really you know i developed a number of years ago and it it's called the 8550 membership sales program and uh, you know i don't i don't want to give away all our secret sauce here on the on the show <laughs> but it's uh, but but it has it has to do with uh uh using your current members in a certain way where they become the most effective salespeople that your club has ever seen and ever will see um if you're relying on you know, mass mailings and things like that, you know, the, the percentage of, 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 of even opportunity that you're going to have to sell somebody a membership is, is two to 4% at best. Right. You know, in our program, it's, it's from 50% to 85% is your, so you really gotta, you know, I, I, I highly recommend that your folks just give us a call and, and we talk about that. Yeah. You know, next thing is pretty simple. I, I mean, it's it's simple, but it's not. Training, 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 and especially training your retail salespeople in your golf operations and in your food and beverage operations on add-on mm -hmm. sales. What are add-on sales? You know, four guys come in to pay their green cart fees to go out and play golf. Well, did you ask them if they'd like to hit range balls? Do they need balls, gloves, sunscreen, bug spray, sunglasses, and beer? Those are the <laughs> yep. things that those are the things that we upsell. And and those things can be upsold for the most part in multiple locations in your club. Uh, doesn't just mean the golf staff selling that stuff uh, as an as, as an as an upsell item. So you'd be amazed how much additional money and how much more uh, revenue per re per round that you're going to generate uh, once you get a program going that's a consistent program, every single player that comes in, and you've got all those products right there in front of them, so it's an eye-catching, you know, add-on sale for them. Right. And uh, But doing that simple throughout, stuff. throughout the operation at all at all touch points, huh? Yeah, pretty much at, at, at the touch points, uh, at least at the two touch points. And then, yeah. 
you know, you know, if, if you've got a third touch point and you should with your beverage cart system, you know, there's another good place for it. Sure. Obviously, you're not going to sell range balls off your beverage cart, but you can certainly sell all the rest. Yeah. And, yep. Uh, you know, um, and, and the last thing is, is, you know, something that you and I are really proud of. And uh, we're going to build our new company around it. And, and I did it at, at Brown Golf, and I started doing it to some degree at Troon when I was there. Um, I believe that you've got to have free golf lesson programming. Um, and it is absolutely essential for the future. I totally agree. Um, we have got to develop more players. We've got to have a retention tool that keeps our senior players in the game. Um, you know, those guys that are, that are the senior players now, you know, the guys my age that are like me that are starting to have back problems and the golf swings getting shorter and all these things, mm -hmm. you know, um, we monitor, you know, for all your listeners out there, we monitor the, the, the handicap sheets as those are trending upward. Uh, our teaching pros are on the phone with those seniors inviting them in to a personal lesson series costs them nothing and yep. nobody says no. And the whole idea behind the whole thing is just to keep, to find a way through all the aches and pains and the, in the, in the physical problems that that particular senior is having, find him some swing keys so he can continue playing and continue staying a viable member at the country club because when they age out and, and they aren't having fun playing anymore, they'll be the first ones to leave the club. And now you don't have their due stream anymore. And, and that you guy know? is not going to pay you a hundred bucks an hour for lessons. No, he's not. He sees he's himself as, he, as hopeless. No, yeah, that's what he thinks in his, in yeah. his, in his mindset. And, uh, and our golf pros have, have got to, and me included and you included, we're PGA members. Yep. I still teach a little bit and I'm, yep. and I'm still going to continue to teach a little bit because I think it's important. Um, you know, and then the last thing, imagine the impact that if your golf pro coming out of the church that he attends, sees a young family that he's only known at church, but in the church and walks over to them and presents them with a certificate for them to come for family lessons together absolutely for free to the club, uh, knowing, he, he knowing them that they didn't play golf, here's an opportunity to have a family activity, learn the game of golf, not have it cost you thousands of dollars, which it would, you know, if the family's got three kids and, and the mom and dad all taking individual lessons. It's just the greatest thing in the world. It'll, it'll, it'll bring you new people, bring you new players, bring you new members. Your, the community service piece of it is uh, is just off the chart, and, uh, and and I can tell you that golf pro can do that in the supermarket. He can do it in a dry cleaner. He can do it yeah, everywhere he every, goes. Every day. Yep. Every yep. day. I, and uh, I totally agree. It's a marketing expense. Yes. Really. It's a marketing expense. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's a few ideas, anyways. I mean, there's a whole lot more that we go through, but. I mean, there's some ideas right there that, you know, yeah. club members can actually, you know, at least take a hold of and, and think about. And, uh, um, yeah. you know, awesome. I, I'd be, I'd be happy to personally come to their club and, 
and 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 chat with them about you know the challenges that they've got in front of them because you know the, our new company that's exactly what we do. Yeah, no, sounds sounds good, pro. This is awesome stuff, man. Um, yeah, I know a so, lot of this, well, a lot of this we've talked about, but uh, you know, I think it's I think it's interesting for for golfers to to hear about and the business aspect is interesting because a lot of these people, the club is their, is the center of their, uh, their social life in, in many ways. And, um, they care very much about the health of the country club that they go to. And, um, a- a- absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, just with a little bit of, of, you know, I get, look at it. I hope the club members look at it this way. And I, I know that, you know, boards of directors out there, there's a lot of really smart people on those boards, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but they're all in a business that that business, it's got its own language of the business. Golf does too. All right. I, if I were sitting on one of those boards, I would no more know how to do, you know, uh, someone else's job in that room. And yet they've been elected uh, at most country clubs to run the club and therefore know, you know, all of those answers. Uh, and they're not going to know all those answers. So they need a little bit of help. And sure. that's really what we're going to supply. Yep. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm truly looking forward to it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what you've been doing and, um, you know, good food for thought for everybody. And, um, I think uh, you and I are going to do this more often. Um, I think we talked about maybe a weekly sort of thing, huh? Where we just talk yeah, about industry yeah. stuff. What's the market doing? What are we up to? Um, right. You know, what's, uh, what, what's going to be of interest to, you know, Joe club member who uh, is concerned about his club. And, um, you know, yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, you know, I'm, Speaking again at the the next World Golf Summit in April uh, up in uh, the Jacksonville area, yeah. And uh, there are there is so much going on, and there's so much in the industry right now, and so many ways to solve problems that are out there. You know, um, you know. Next time we get together and we do the next show, I'll talk about a hybrid that 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 I put together a couple years ago, and and how that came down and what the effects of that were. And, nice. and it saved a club. It literally saved a private club that's now thriving. Yeah. But not to leave your, your, your listeners on the hook at all, but there's a, there's a, I'll just wet the whistle a little bit. There's a major announcement coming out of uh, KPI golf here in the next couple of weeks. And uh, it, it's going to, it is going to set the golf industry on fire. And, uh, I am really looking forward to, to that. That's all I can say about it at the moment. As you well know, Case, we're going to have a little bit of fun coming up. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm looking forward okay. to it. This was awesome, pro. Yeah, me too. Okay. I look forward to it, partner. Good to talk cool, with man. you. Hey guys, I hope you like this talk with John. If any of this struck a chord with you, or you just want to talk a little shop about your home club, you can reach him at kpigolf.com or just reach out to me directly and I'll be glad to connect you. Hope you enjoyed it. Share the episode if you can. Go ahead and subscribe. All those good things. We'll see you next time.